broken friends and welcome to another beautifully broken podcast. I hope you are all doing well this week and happy Mother's Day to those of you who are moms out there. I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. I did. Um, Next to, I think, my birthday, Mother's Day is like the next special important day of my life. And I love Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those things, but there's something about Mother's Day. And I think especially maybe just being a single mother, there's there's something about your children honoring you and remembering you and just pouring into you saying, we love you, mom, you do such a great job. Um, And then I make my kids say, I don't know what we'd ever do without you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I do remind them uh, I'm the only parent they have, so they better be good to me. But they they are. They always are. I'm joking. Um, My boys, they're so easy. Like, growing up, they were so easy. I mean easy respectively, right? They they were messy, they were loud, but when it came to like interpersonal relationships and drama and things like that, um, it was just so much easier. With my daughter, there's a lot more drama maybe that happens, but Greg and I always said, you have boys and They're awesome. They're your legacy. But it's the daughter who takes care of you. And this is true for my family. It is my daughter who typically will put everything together. She reminds the boys, hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Now, they'll, you know, pitch in and and purchase something for me. But it's my daughter. (laughs) Thank you, Brooke, for putting it all together and the last few years, she's really stepped up to the plate as far as she will make me breakfast in bed for Mother's Day or for my birthday or little things like that. She she makes handwritten cards. Last year, this is hilarious, she made handwritten cards for all the boys. And of course, hers is real like flowery about how much... I mean to her how much she loves me. And, you know, my oldest son is a little bit more um, emotional and he wrote something very nice and heartfelt. And then my youngest son, he writes something heartfelt, but in less words. And then my middle son, he basically just says, love you. And he signs his name. (laughs) So Brookie tries to help them out and knowing what to say to a mom on Mother's Day that speaks to me. Mother's Day perhaps is one of the best holidays because it's not necessarily too bittersweet for me because it's all about celebrating me as a mom and it doesn't have any kind of mom and dad connotation. So It's less about missing Greg on Mother's Day, which is kind of nice. But Mother's Day always has me thinking about what it's like to be a single mom. And I noticed in 
um, I, if you don't know what I do, I, I host online chat for my church, uh, CB Glades, Church by the Glades in Southern Florida. And I, since I have become a single mother, it somehow is important for me to give a shout out to all the single moms and then and then shout out all the single dads on Father's Day because single parenting is tough. And I remember back when I was married and Greg and I were doing ministry and we would often speak together on Mother's Day. And I we would talk to the single parents, the single mothers and 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 say how much we appreciated them, how much we were sure it was difficult and and all the things that they had to carry, the burdens that they had to carry alone. But I never truly understood clearly what it's like to be a single parent until I experienced it. And I had no idea it was as rough as what I had imagined it to be. And I feel like I lived through some very challenging things in my life. Um, My sister-in-law passed away when I was 17 and I had to step in and step up and help take care of my brother's baby. That was tough. It asked a lot of me at 17. And then we moved from Ohio to Arizona. That was tough. I lost all my friends, my boyfriend, my, you know, church family, everything I had to start over. I went to a college I didn't want to go to. And I, I ended up in a degree I didn't necessarily want. But all those things helped to develop the character of what I needed for later in life, what I didn't even know. See, God was preparing me for what he had prepared for me. And I had to walk through my husband going from active and such a dynamic, gregarious person to someone who was handicapped and needed help in every aspect of life. And I thought that that was difficult. And it was. I Sometimes I look back, I, I didn't sleep for two years, basically. That was difficult. Um, it was difficult to see him just deteriorate. It was definitely difficult to see him die. But I think the hardest thing in my entire life that I have ever done has to be single parenting. Single parenting is so difficult, I think, because all the weight and responsibility falls on you. You're making all the decisions for your family. And for me as a widow, there's not even like my divorced husband that I could call and potentially we could try to parent together. It's just me. And sure, I can get advice from my friends and my family, but it really boils down to me and God, I rely a lot on God. In fact, when Greg died, I told God in no uncertain terms, if you feel like I, that I can be a single parent, if you, if you feel like I can do this, then you have got to be a husband to me and you've got to be a father to my children. 
And can I tell you something? That has happened in so many ways. And my kids have not always chosen the right path. I'm just going to be honest. Not that I was being dishonest. I guess I'm trying to say I'm going to be vulnerable here. Sometimes as a pastor's wife, it's embarrassing for me to say that my kids have struggled spiritually, mentally. It's hard because for me, I feel like we do have the answer and it it is in God, but everyone has to walk their own walk. And I'm not saying that my kids don't love God. They all love God, but we've all had our challenges through this difficult period of life. And it doesn't mean that God has failed us or that they weren't good enough. It just, I'm just being honest here. We have struggled, all of us, in our faith, in our trusting of God. I so wish I could say I never struggled, but the truth is we've struggled. And not only is it hard to admit as a pastor's wife, as a former pastor's wife, but also as a Christian mother who knows the truth, it's hard to admit that we have struggled because God has always remained faithful to us. So as a person who has failed and succeeded in some areas of life, let me just tell you the biggest thing in my life as a single parent that I can do to feel like I can succeed instead of fail is pray. And I always try to to help make what I have discovered in my life that's helped me applicable in something that you can do in your own life. And I I think prayer is so underrated. We see this all the time, right? Some tragedy happens somewhere in the world and people start posting on their Instagram or their Twitters, hashtag pray for fill in the blank. And I'll read the comments and see a lot of people say, that's such a cheap thing to say. It's so empty to say, pray for. You're not doing anything. You're not sending money. You're not, you might as well just be well wishing them. Billy Graham has a great quote. And he said, have you ever said, well, all we can do now is pray. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. Whoa. That is so good. How can we get to the end of ourselves quicker so that we can find the beginning of God? It's powerful. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Susanna Wesley, but she is the mother of John and Charles Wesley uh, back in the 1700s. John and Charles Wesley, uh, they were brothers who would grow up to change the Christian history and therefore change the world. They preached powerful messages. They wrote famous hymns and led so many people to come in faith to Jesus Christ. Susanna Wesley believed in prayer. She had 10 children. 
she was married to a man who was a pastor, but he grew up um, in the metropolitan area of London, and he became a pastor to a church in the country, and he did not fit the people of his church. He didn't understand them. They didn't understand him. Um, in fact, their parsonage, their their home that the church would provide for them, it, it burned down twice because of arson. I mean, the people literally hated them. <laughs> and they would say things to her and her children. And, and so she lived in this little home with these 10 children. And the one thing that she used to do was every day, she would take a couple hours while her kids were sitting at the table doing homework or reading or doing some sort of quiet play. She would flip her apron over her head and pray to God. That was her time. And her children knew when her apron was over her head, you don't mess with mom. You don't mess with mom because she is spending time praying to God. And I know that my kids, sometimes they know, like, you don't mess with mom right now. Don't mess with mom. Pass the word on, right? <laughs> I wish I was known for it because I was spending time with God. Mostly, it's just because I'm in a bad move. <laughs> so Susanna would spend time with God every day in prayer. And I believe because of her continuous prayer life, that God blessed her life and her children's life. In fact, two of her sons were the voice of Christianity. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine when we get to heaven and God looks at you and said, because of your obedience, your faithfulness, your prayer life, your kids were world changers. I mean, that's incredible. For Susanna, this prayer life that she had didn't just start when her kids were small. It started when she was young. And early in her life, she vowed that she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. Now, let me tell you, when I read that, <laughs> I was convicted. I mean, I hate to admit it, but the Tiger King has probably taken up way more space in my life than it needed to. But last week, I talked about right living, about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And that right living has just convicted me. Even this week, I keep thinking about the things that I read and studied about living right. Am I living right? As a single mother in desperate need of helping with my children who are now, I have two young adult men and two teenagers. I feel like sometimes I'm in the thick of it. Like this is where they're making the decisions that are going to affect the rest of their lives. This is where I need right living because I know that kids have a great BS smeller. And if they see in my life that I'm not living what I'm saying that I'm living, they're going to call balderdash on my life and tell me 
I see that you are a hypocrite living a hypocritical life. I mean, that's, aren't we all hypocritical in some ways? But you, you understand what I'm saying. They're going to know that I'm not really authentic in my living. What I want them to see is a mother who lives what she believes, even though sometimes I make mistakes, I don't always do what right, what is right. I want them to see that their mother really believes what she says. And I do. I believe that God is here for us, especially those of us who are single parents and in desperate need of his help and his guidance. So what do I need to do to make sure that I'm living right and that I'm praying the way I need to pray? Well, I think there's a couple things that need to happen. And I'm speaking to me and as I'm saying this. We've got to be in the word every day and we've got to set aside time to pray. Prayer is so important. And we can do those shotgun prayers where you just like shoot things up to heaven like, God, help me now. Give me direction now. It's kind of like those, I need help right now. But what it needs to be is there has to be a special time set aside that we go to God in prayer. If we, if we want children who are going to change the world, then we have got to spend time in prayer. Do you know the Bible has some great things to say about prayer? In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. I think that's the key there. Sometimes we pray these, these genie in a bottle wishes, like, dear God, help this to happen. I know I did in my own life. God, heal Greg. Heal Greg. I believe you can. But what we have to do is pray according to his will. And I know for his will, Greg was to come home to him. That was God's will for our lives. But if we pray and we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. God hears our requests. It's a beautiful thing. Billy Graham says this about prayer. He says, I firmly believe God continues to answer the prayers of his people even after he has taken them to heaven. Never forget that God isn't bound by time the way we are. We see only the present moment. God sees everything. We see only part of what he is doing. He sees it all. Do you know, that is such a comfort to me. Because even while I think of myself as single parenting, I know that my husband sent up prayers about our children long before he died. And those prayers, they still are being answered today. My parents have prayed 
for my children. My father-in-law has prayed for my children. They've all prayed for me as a single mother. And even though my father has now gone on to heaven, those prayers are still in effect today because God is not bound by space and time like we are. How awesome is that? We cannot just pray for our kids today, but we can pray for our children's children, our children's children's children, continuing on that line down the course of history, knowing that God will hear our prayers. God is so amazing. All we have to do is spend time with him, get to know him, learn his voice, understand his will for our life, and spend time in prayer with him. Our lives may be broken. You may be a single mother like me. It's tough. It's overwhelming. And can I tell you, I couldn't do it without God. So what are we going to do in response? We want to be the best parents that we can be. And if we want to be the best parents that we can be, then we're going to make time for ourselves to spend time in the word of God and in time a prayer for ourselves, for our children, for our children's children, for the future. Friend, I hope that you have been encouraged today. I know I have been encouraged just reading all these wonderful scriptures about God and his goodness to us, how spending time with him daily just fills us with how to live right. One more scripture before I go. James 5, 6. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My prayer for us this week as we go out is that we'll remember to keep on living rightly. That we'll understand that righteous living, that living right in God and pursuing Him, spending time with Him, praying to Him, that we will know the will of His, of God for our life And we will know that our prayers are effective. That we'll know that we have God's help on our side when it comes to parenting our children. That we know we are walking in God's will. I am praying that this week we will live in anticipation for what God is about to do in our lives, in our children's lives, and in the lives of our future. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for the reminder this week of how powerful prayer can be. That if we commit to spending time in your word and getting to know you and your will and walking in obedience with you, spending time with prayer with you, God, that you can not only change our lives, but you can change the lives of our children and our children's children and the future. God, I pray that we might be more disciplined to spend time with you, to know you better, God. Help us to know the right prayers to pray. Pray these things in your name. Amen.